welcome to Housewives and Me, a podcast about why we love the real housewives. I'm your host, Connor Bean, and welcome back for another brand new episode. I hope you had an amazing June bank holiday. I don't know if you were one of the people who went to gigs or festivals. Maybe you caught up on your telly. We did get a brand new Housewives premiere just before the bank holiday weekend. I was so busy that I think I watched it late on Friday night. So I might try and cover Housewives of Dubai here like a premiere recap or something maybe on social I just have not had time so if you were <laughs> wondering on my musings on that I think they will just probably come up naturally with guests over the coming weeks on the show as well today I'm thrilled to be joined by Brody Lancaster she is one half of the amazing podcast See Also she released a book called No Way Okay Fine uh, that came out in 2017 as well and she's written for a bunch of big name outlets also she's really funny really smart she's based in Australia which was a great chance to talk about not just the American Housewives shows that we got into like Beverly Hills, New York, Salt Lake City, etc. But we also talked a lot about the Australian and New Zealand editions of the show. We got into Auckland, we got into Sydney, and oh, did we get into Melbourne. We had some great chats about Melbourne, but you may have noticed this as a slightly longer episode than we've had in a while. And the reason for that is Brody went to the home of Lydia from Real Housewives of Melbourne. She does a thing called Lydia's Kitchen, where you can pay to have dinner with her, basically. She serves you food, welcomes you to her home, etc., and when we spoke, she had been there the night before. So this is Brody fresh off of her adventure with Lydia. Even if you're not a Housewives of Melbourne fan, I honestly think this whole insight into visiting her home is hilarious. And if you are a fan, you are going to eat this up because I will tell you, I could visualize every single detail that Brody was telling me about. So this is kind of a bumper episode. It's basically your typical era on all the shows with like a good 15, 20 minutes of Lydia tea as well. So without any further ado, here is Brody Lancaster on Housewives me. My guest today is a writer who has had articles in titles like The Guardian, The New York Times, Vogue, Australia and Enemy. She's the author of the book No Way, Okay, Fine, which is a very fun title to say. And she is one half of the amazing podcast See Also. Brody Lancaster, welcome to Housewives and Me. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks for coming on, I should say. And I'm obsessed with your book title because it's like so fun to say out loud. I was like researching like bits you've done. I was like, I cannot wait to read out that book title when I speak to her. It's fun to say out loud. It's also like I get a little bit of embarrassment sometimes saying it because it seems like a kind of like, I don't know, now there's like that thing of girls in their 20s writing books and like, you know, memoir essay collections. And the title is basically like, shut up, don't look at me, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> like, what was, Cassie Davids was called, like, no one asked for this. <laughs> you were like, oh, I was ahead of the trend. Yeah. <laughs> Self-deprecating always. Amazing. So we're traversing time zones. I am currently in Dublin, you were in Melbourne. We have, I guess, something of a Melbourne exclusive to discuss a bit <laughs> later on and some other cities to get into, but First and foremost, I just want to know, how did you get into Real Housewives? I got into Real Housewives through the Australian version. So primarily the Melbourne um, edition, I get installment mm-hmm. franchise was the first one that I ever watched. And then uh, I had a friend who was very deep into the Vanderpump um Bravo extended universe, my friend Kirsty. Um, and she she's a painter and had done this really incredible exhibition that she I'd been hired to write about. And so as I was looking through her works, I was like, who are these people that you've painted? And like she's doing fine art that has like Andy Cohen and Nini Leaks in it. And oh, wow. so she was kind of explaining people to me she was like you know this is this is this figure of a couple in bed and you kind of 
you know, it's, it's kind of abstract, but you're seeing what they're dreaming of. And one of them is dreaming about Dorinda Medley. And so <laughs> as, as she was like explaining who all these people were, I was like, okay, well, I need to understand this. And at her recommendation, I went to New York, was my first venture to American Housewives. I forget if I did Vanderpump Rules or New York uh, Housewives first, but they were kind of around the same time. And I'm a completist, so I have to watch it from season one, episode one. And then as long as they continue airing, I will follow them wherever they go. So, of course, I then ventured from Vanderpump to Summer House. And in the earliest months of the pandemic in early 2020, I decided that was the time to uh, do all of Beverly Hills, which had always intimidated me a little just because there was so much. And I knew it was kind of, you know, one of the jewels in Bravo's crown. So I did all of Beverly Hills while everyone else was like talking about Tiger King. I was talking about Taylor Armstrong, you know. (laughs) Uh, And of course, I forget the timeline, but I did... Auckland and Sydney, which sadly were only one season each. And what else? I did Potomac, all of Potomac as well. Wow. I'm obsessed that ultimately fine art brought you to the Real Housewives. I mean, what a great... I know. (laughs) Um, Let's dive into some Housewives shows. I think we should should start them with New York City, because it was kind of your first Mm -hmm. American Housewives show. What stood out to you about New York and who are the, I guess, characters on that show that you're kind of drawn to? I mean, New York, I feel like it's been said by much smarter housewives, uh, academics than me, but New York is like fundamentally a comedy. And so I actually found it quite hard to connect with other cities after New York because it sets such a high standard, not just for how, how truly deranged and messy a group of women on TV could be, Um, Mm -hmm. Like when you see Sonia and Ramona on a trip and Luann falling in the bushes and, you know, Aviva forcing everyone to thank her husband for bringing her on a vacation, (laughs) like it's all just such a nightmare. And they also, as the years went by, it almost became a prerequisite to be that to be a housewife in New York, you couldn't actually be anyone's wife. Like they're all single spinsters now, which is incredible. And so going to, you know, going from New York to something like Beverly Hills where the cast trips were, you know, Maurizio's there and Ken Todd is there. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not signing up for these guys to also be on, on my housewife yeah. shows. But New York, I mean, Carol Radzowell is my number one. I named my cat after her. She is a real interesting case study in the housewives phenomenon. I feel like she went in almost as like a sociologist, like wanted to study the kind of like pop culture moment of the housewives and over the years got got really sucked into it. Remember in her, her final year when she and Bethany were just having arguments over like semantics of friendship? Yeah. And Bethany tried to attack her for like caring about fashion all of a sudden. It was so cruel, yes. but also I feel like it, it represented something the audience felt watching Carol just feeling like she had kind of, drunk the kool-aid a little yeah she went down like i felt like carol went down the rabbit hole and it was as you say you were so right it was like she went in going i'm going to observe this and have like an outsider's point of view and then it became i am now in it and i'm every bit as bad as the people i thought i would never become like it was kind of an incredible arc in that regard yeah yeah but carol always stood i mean she stuck out like a sore thumb i guess um but i loved her for it and still adore 
She, who else? I mean, remember the season when none of them wanted to film with Tinsley, I guess? And it, yeah. it was that final one where Bethany was like, you just went off and you were friends with Tinsley. And they were hanging out all season. But then by the end, Carol was kind of like, no, I'm not. I'm not friends with Tinsley. And it's like, <laughs> Carol, she's right there. Like, she's sitting next yeah, to you. Tinsley's like... Oh, cool. So all those <laughs> scenes meant nothing to you. And Carol's face like, yeah, they meant nothing to me. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Tinsley. I would watch, I I kind of want Tinsley to come back. How are you, What what is your vibe on this? Um, Maybe you've covered it already, but this news that New York is going to have like a younger and older split. I love how you framed it as younger and older. Cause I've been like, new cast members and legacy you're like it's age <laughs> they're going by age i mean it is yeah you can't have leah yeah. and ramona in the same cast anymore it makes zero fucking sense yeah i mean i'm i'm my overall feel with it as i've kind of mentioned here before is just like i having two roni shows is better than having one and i like i do think the main show i think they were going to run into problems with having the same people on for 10 12 13 years mm. and this is a way to avoid that kind of drawn out the new girls and the old girls, not and I don't mean old in the in mm. that sense, but just like established cast members. It's like now the people who've been together for a while can continue to have their funny adventures and also a bunch of newbies can actually fully get to be themselves and we can get to know them without the pressure of I like them, but it's so obvious that Ramona or Luan doesn't like them or whatever. Like they can kind of it's a clean sight for everybody. Yeah, and because I think what happens with the casting as the years go on, like something like New York, which is such an established show at this point, yeah. it struggles when um, they try to bring in a new person to a and pretend it's a friend. It's still a friendship group. Like I feel like these shows don't work when they are treated like TV show casts. You know, like Potomac is one of the strongest ones because it really felt like they went and they saw women who are part of like the scene of the town or like society, and maybe they weren't close friends but they were all legitimately of that world whereas um in New York or even something like Melbourne like the the most recent season of Real Housewives of Melbourne was a fucking flop um and it was yeah. because they just went out and they were like oh this woman has a business so she's yeah part of this group and it's like no like the Melbourne like suburban society women are like genuinely wealthy in the social pages, like that's the kind of shit. I, I want to see the women in New York who are in page six and being photographed, not just kind of people who are commentators on the news or something. No, and that's so true. I think, and we'll obviously we'll get to Melbourne in a little bit, but I think you're so right about like that sort of friend group, like colleagues group thing. Like it's such a fine line because ultimately they're always going to want to cast one or two people and it's not always going to be an organic connection. But like, I do think with New York, what I'm hoping for with the new cast, whoever they are, is that there's at least a handful of them that have some kind of connection to each other so that we can kind of almost, A, it's like, it'll feel more high stakes, but also they'll interact with each other in a, in a richer way because they're like, okay, I've known you for 15 years mm. or whatever. So hopefully, yeah, I'm assuming there's like plenty of, New York is a big fucking city. There's plenty of like yeah. interesting, wealthy, funny people who would like be willing to make a fool of themselves in reality TV. Yes. And I want, I think the ideal um, cast member in a place like New York is someone who is kind of a Tinsley or a Dorinda where you know that they had money from uh, maybe a past marriage or uh, some kind of trust or like family money. 
um, which means that they have never had to have a job. Like that's the kind of person I want to watch on my show. Like they have to be yeah. a little disconnected from reality. I don't, I don't want a Bethany. I don't want to watch people running businesses. <laughs> like that's not interesting to me when it comes to like my shows where women drink and fight with each other. <laughs> and that's why that's why we're here um, <laughs> who like obviously we have like a new cast that will arrive but in terms of the legacy show like it sounds like i'm guessing you'd love carol to come back who else would you like to kind of see come back or yeah. kind of be in the legacy show i floated this on um on my podcast see also when kate and i kind of chatted about this very briefly um yeah but I, I kind of feel like Carol could be a connected to the new cast because Carol, she she leans younger, but she also, like, in terms of her lifestyle, I think she could fit with, like, a a younger cast. You know, women, and when I say younger, I mean, like, women in their late 30s or 40s. But I think legacy-wise, I want Dorinda back. I want Jill Zarin. I can't wait for Ultimate Girls Trip. I think it's going to be the messiest thing I've, that's ever <laughs> been on television. It's yes. from all the gossip that's come out of it. It sounds like it's going to be hell on earth. <laughs> for them, for <laughs> yeah, us, it's going to be great. <laughs> yes. For us, a true, a, a treat for them. <laughs> yeah. Horror. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want Jill Zarin. I want Dorinda. I wouldn't mind having Tinsley come back for the young, for the new cast. I just think Tinsley is, such a fragile she's like an eggshell with a blonde wig on top like she's so fragile and watching her kind of shatter is really fascinating to me um god who else who else i want barb by barb with her little <laughs> tool belt um, bisexual legend <laughs> i want to see bisexual legend barb go on like a dating journey you know maybe her and leah have a drunken pash one night i don't know oh <laughs> i don't know That's, that'd be a subplot is like leah and barb's like yeah. versioning romance although do i want leah i'm not sure anymore it's um oh a starting from scratch could be could be healthy i don't know what do you think well, it's funny because I've never, no, I haven't heard anybody suggest Carl as a connector on the new cast show, which I think is so interesting because in my head, that's actually what Leah could possibly do. But mm. I feel like she may, like, I could see Leah struggling to do the legacy show because it's like, there's such big personalities there, but I could understand it might feel like, you know, she's a tie to the past if she goes on the new show. I think she's in an awkward position, to be honest. Yeah. This makes me sound like a really terrible person. So disclaimer. But I, I find um, kind of sobriety journeys tricky on reality TV um, just in the sense that they, they add this layer of kind of um, guilt or shame or something. I don't know. I don't know if I'm articulating this right, but, but I feel like, like Leah and Luann, it's very healthy for them to not be drinking or doing drugs. But at the same time, I want to see my housewives kind of imploding their lives (laughs) and yeah and alcohol plays a big part of that often which is bad of me to say I you know disclaimer I'm a bad person for thinking it but it is my truth (laughs) but I think in a way you've hit on something that we struggle with with the shows in that 
we want them to be messy and like for things to happen, but we don't want it to be too high stakes where the messiness is like really bad for them. So like, I think when someone's drinking a bit too much and they go, Oh, I just need to cut back. I said the wrong thing last night. We as viewers go, yeah, they're, they're fine. But when it's tied to serious health consequences or sobriety because of their parole or something, it just feels a little bit too like, yes, I want you to be like clean and sober if that's what works for you. Also, you know, there is a fun factor of the other women being drunk and I want you to be part of that. But also if you do it, it's going to have real life consequences and I'll feel bad as a viewer and you as a human being kind of have to suffer. So it just adds a layer of like, I don't know, peril that doesn't always feel great for housewives. You've nailed it. Yeah. Like the, the sweet spot is all of them waking up deathly hungover with dry mouth in Dorinda's fish room. And then <laughs> where am I? <laughs> and then the I need water. Like none of them can you can tell it's the first word they've spoken all morning. Yeah. But then the the the, de- the flip side of that is like Dorinda showing up wasted to the meeting where she's about to go on like Bethany's charity mission and like yeah, accusing them yeah. of not sending kids to school or whatever it was. <laughs> Like, yeah, exactly. The times where it goes, I think, and I've heard people say about pretty much every housewife show in recent years, like the moment where it gets a little bit too dark and you're like, oh, I don't know. We're flying a bit close to the sun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I mean, at the same time, Scary Island was arguably um, a moment of a a break for Kelly. And I've never been happier watching television in my life. So what that says about me, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no just frame it as it's like an a24 horror film it was actually kind of an art piece that they were doing <laughs> it was midsummer <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was the housewife version of yeah and jill, uh, <laughs> jill was like the guy in the bear suit hi <laughs> <laughs> oh my god shout out to ariaster if you're listening <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, never thought I would those are not words I ever thought I would say on this podcast. <laughs> Cast Tinsley in a in an Ari Aster movie. <laughs> Listen, I mean, it's not the worst idea. Let's talk about Beverly Hills. You mentioned yes. that you basically watched all of it in lockdown or over the pandemic, however you want to say it. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of episodes, a lot of seasons. Yeah, yeah I got through it in, a, in about three months, I think it took me. Wow, yeah. Jesus. Okay. So in those three months, what did you learn? What did you make of the show? And how did it compare to New York for you? Because they are very different shows. Such different shows. I mean, it, the the pacing of the seasons is really is such an extreme difference between those two, especially. Um, yeah. Because those New York women, the the things they will say offhandedly in an argument to each other, there will be like 10,000 like inflammatory moments in a season of New York, whereas in Beverly yeah. Hills someone will say one thing in episode one and you know we're still going to be dealing with it 20 hours later. Um, yeah. And this precedent they've set now – um, in a post Erica Jane scammer world we're living in where a season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills runs for half a, half of a calendar year. Yeah. Like even it's Thursday night here in Australia. And so after I finish speaking with you, I've got like my night of TV lined up where I watch Beverly Hills. I watch Kardashians. I watch The Staircase. Like all my shows are on yeah. Thursday nights. And I just know that whatever I'm going to be watching tonight on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, I'm probably still going to be hearing about in like September. The Lisa Rinna buying a ticket to Elton John's 
charity thing because Sutton mentioned it on Watch What Happens Live last year because Rinna said Garcelle didn't thank Harry for the sauce. Like, I'm sorry, it's 2022, <laughs> babe. Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't still be here. I know it's, and I do think in a way I like that they they went back to filming pretty much instantly after the reunion, but it feels like that means they are they're in the weeds about stuff that we have seen play out mm. so much in social media that by now you're like okay mm. and and then of course now the episodes are airing Lisa Rinna's got way more receipts I'm like where was this energy during the episode yeah where it's just like oh god we're past it like the 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 time yeah, in our lives we've moved on yeah 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 and Erica Jane is really counting on us having moved on you know she's like it's over it's done no charges yeah. <laughs> Oh, if you, I think if you Google that, you'll see that I am completely exonerated. I'm like, actually, if I Google it, it gets even more messy and complicated. Yeah, you're and not then, exonerated. And she's saying, like, all. Bravo should do their due diligence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, in a way, the show needs a villain. And I, I know in the trailer, Diana says, I'm the villain and whatever. But I think I kind of want Erica to just, well, I mean, I'd like her to develop self awareness and compassion for others. That's not happening. happening. So I'm, so I'm kind of like, why don't you just lean all the way in because you're halfway there. And if anything, yeah. the lack of self-awareness is, is horrible in a way. But I'm like, okay, lean into it and just be it. You, we know you're a dickhead. Yes. Don't try and be anything other than a dickhead then. Just say the words, I don't care about the widows and orphans. <laughs> She's saying it in all but words. Like yeah. Even just kind of the like she she'll take any chance to go after Sutton and be like you are so horrible to me and I don't think she realizes but I mean because they went straight into filming I don't think Erica realizes how much the audience is on Sutton's side in general and yeah with this so she keeps thinking if I bring up how mean Sutton is the, the audience will care and we're like Sutton made points so Sutton <laughs> a different person to go after yes and Sutton and Garcelle were like the only ones making those points last year I think we're watching Crystal kind of realize a little too late that she um, yeah. that she kind of put her eggs in the wrong basket last season. Um, yeah. And in retrospect, she's kind of gone, actually Sutton is like a person I could be close to despite the fact that she doesn't see color. Yes, <laughs> which they are, of course, now going to relitigate again, of course, because it's Housewives. Oh, great. I was actually just thinking I want to do a little bit of a Beverly Hills rewatch. Um, wow. And I was thinking I might start from – erica's introduction um yes because remember how much we hated dorit and pk that season when erica was like this cool new like queen of the gays um and pk was like this creepy gross guy who was like leering at her upper skirt or oh, whatever yeah, it was horrible now pk is my king oh i know isn't that so fucked up we're like <laughs> we like pk now i love like, pk now i mean because like so erica did her first season and then the year after dorit and pk joined and i remember and this is why i used to like erica like key present the past tense is key here um that season where they were at the reunion and she just let him have it for basically being misogynistic and weird. I was like, mm. this is why I watch mm. these shows. And it was like, I was like, I am vicariously living through you because I have wanted to say that to so many gross straight men who've been weird at me and women I know. Yeah. So when she said that, I was like, you're a, yes, the queen. I was like, you are queen of the gays. Now I'm like, <laughs> we don't claim you. We don't claim you. Now she's <laughs> the one saying I'm queen of the gays. And it's like, no, it only, it doesn't work if you say it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not, it's not a self-appointed position. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm obsessed with you going back to rewatch Beverly Hills because there's just so many of them. But anyway, go, go on. There's yeah, so many. Yeah. I mean, the, the so when I started watching it, it was right before um, all of the Denise Brandy stuff was about to air. And I think a big part of it for me is I had just kind of um, from following a few housewives related social media accounts, I'd been hearing about Puppygate. And I kind of wanted to yeah. to fill in the blanks of what I didn't know. So I had to go all the way to season one, episode one. And, you know, I met Carlton the Witch and I met Eileen Davis and like all those icons um, and sad, sad Taylor Armstrong. But then yes. just to get to the point where I could understand Puppygate and why Lisa Vanderpump from Vanderpump Rules, which at that time I'd watched two or three times all the way through, uh, where she sat in the whole mess, and then I could get to the um, the. It's kind of wild that um, Denise, the Denise stuff happened. Like Denise was there for Puppygate. I feel like Denise was just a flash in the pan, and then she was gone. But yeah. she was around for some really weird, boring dog drama before before <laughs> that. Weird point, Doctor. Like she, I feel like that's how Denise would describe it. They'd be like, yeah. "What was your first season like? A lot of weird, boring dog yeah. drama." I don't like. I can't. Re- I can't get into this now. Um, <laughs> I have. It's funny actually. Speaking of rewatching, I like in a different life bought Erica's book and I read it at the oh time. I was like, okay, fine, yeah, an, an enjoyable few re- few hours of a read. But now I like want to reread it and like dig for clues. I feel like yes, what would it be like to read that now? <laughs> well, that's another part of the rewatch is is getting the tom stuff i don't know i feel like yes. if i if i were better at tiktok i could make a really good kind of compilation of all the times erica <laughs> like dug a hole for herself oh my god yeah you'd, and you'd probably go massively viral because if erica's already been a tiktok sensation yeah tom oh my gosh tom i know and she keeps like now that erica's doing press she's been asked about tom and she's kind of talking about it and i'm like i would kind of prefer if you didn't talk about him at all i think yeah. it feels I mean, fuck him for what he's likely done, but I'm also a bit like, he's also in a home. I'm like, just let it go. Let him like meet his fate with yes. the law or whatever. Yes. The law or the Lord, <laughs> whichever comes yeah, first. Whichever comes first. <laughs> whichever happens first. Let's get into Potomac, which I meant, you mentioned you watched all of it. And it's like, yes, that show is such a breath of fresh air in the oh. reality world. I'd love to know your thoughts on Potomac. I mean, Potomac is just... Uh, it's incomparable. I think every season is excellent. And you know how the other cities, you're like, oh, you could skip that one. I was told for a few years, don't sleep on Potomac. Um, yes. Which I think is like the rallying cry for the our greater Washington, Maryland, Baltimore, Queens. And it's true. I'm now issuing the same encouragement to everyone else. Like, uh, Karen Huger and Giselle are like that rivalry is one of reality TV's like most incredible um, sagas. It's like Betty Joan level of love and hate. <laughs> like it, actually, it really is a divine feud indeed. <laughs> yeah. Like Ryan Murphy who? Um, yeah. <laughs> I was reminded recently of Katie. Remember Katie's kind of. Katie, yes. Oh, that loose grip on reality um <laughs> god that was great what is i mean ashley ashley and michael are um splitting up is that right um she they got are, those yeah. two kids in those 10 years and she got out of there thank god um that also i mean potomac also has the connection of um 
anytime there's an Australian on reality TV, um, it's, I was about to say exciting, but in reality it's humiliating, like Brock on <laughs> Vanderpump Rules and Michael. Uh, yes. Yeah, I know. It's like, for some reason, the Australians who make it to American reality TV, you don't feel they're the best representatives. Uh, so we've got the the feud of all feuds between Giselle and Karen. We mm-hmm. have Ashley finding hopefully her freedom in the new season. I mean, what is it about Potomac that you think works so well? Well, for me, at least, like I'm a white lady in Australia. And so Potomac is truly a world that I have never, I, I would never see if not for a reality show like this. Um, yeah, they have like, that's one of the ones where they've really, the producers clearly tapped into like the social scene there. And I really love how to them, the social scene is the biggest and grandest and most impressive thing on earth. But when you compare it to like, you know, the early seasons of Beverly Hills, where you've got Adrian Maloof, who owns like a sports team, or you've got whoever else, the, it just it it seems so small stakes um and so it's it's just really fun to watch people whose whose worlds are quite small um treat them as if they're the most important thing in the world yeah that's so true it's so funny that it's like it's almost it's so insular and you're like this means nothing but because they treat it with such seriousness yes. you're like okay i'm in i'm in i'm yeah. in tell me more i don't think i i think i forgot to mention it when you asked me which cities i watch but i also do salt lake city and um oh that that is similar in a way to potomac where you know yeah. the the mormonism of it all but also like the I don't know, like they they really felt like an established group of people who all knew each other, who were all hovering around each other. Um, you know, the idea that like Lisa and Meredith were somehow on a different strata than, you know, like Jen and, and Heather and Whitney. Yeah, those those mean girl high school dynamics is what I'm here for. I love how you, I, I really appreciate that you're just like, you know what? Be messy, fight, drink, <laughs> mean girls. You're like, I like how we're just being very honest about the, the, the not the dark appeal, but like the, uh, almost the real appeal of why we're watching. Well, the thing is, is like, I have spent, you know, part of like when I wrote my book and sometimes when I have to write, have to, when I try to write articles about like housewives or reality TV, people always want you to like kind of moralize it or um, yeah, yeah. make it out to be like some statement, like, I watch the Kardashians because it's actually empowering to see women in business. Like, no, (laughs) I watch it because for some reason my brain connects to like, I love celebrities. I want to, I want to be in the know. I want to be like with housewives. It's kind of like, I want to speak the language. I want to understand the references. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't like, Housewives is not a thing that I want to do by myself. Like the point of it is being part of like a community of people who speak the same language. And it's so fun when, you know, like I hear someone like you has a podcast or I follow, I find someone new on social media who like has, um, you know, a a different take on the people who I've spent 10,000 hours watching. I've done my 10,000 hours. I've done my Malcolm Gladwell (laughs) expert, expert (laughs) training. 
<laughs> I, I feel like if I ever, if someone ever said to me, what, what if you join your 10,000 hours on? I'd be like, oh, the real housewife. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> do, you, actually that. do you follow, I don't know if you've had him on the podcast or if you follow him, but Jamie Stein, who. Um, yes, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, oh my God, I could. Yeah, that I was mean, amazing. like someone who is obsessed with the same things, but is an intuitive yeah. and an em- empathic like medium like that is fucking fascinating and it it makes me see the relationships and the dynamics of these shows differently but it's not like it makes me a better person um like I still yeah. want to watch people fight and argue yeah <laughs> it's <a laughs> agony in the ecstasy yeah I want to hear an empath talking about them but I don't want to be more empathetic towards them <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're like, you do the empathizing, I'll do the golf. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> I get my kicks where I can, you know. You mentioned Salt Lake City there, which you know, I didn't realize you were you were watching. So like, what did you make of that second season? Because it felt like it was just going crazy by the end. It was going crazy, but also it it slowly dawned that I don't think they had anything. You know, the the Gen Shaw we were watching for the Gen Shaw arrest which we got and it was thrilling like that episode the looks to the camera all of that it was it was just so incredible um like I love not having to listen to people make jokes about murder to get like a bit of a true crime fix anymore I can get it with my housewives um (laughs) that's that's a fair point yeah but um (laughs) which I you know I used to um I'm not perfect uh despite what you might have thought (laughs) with what I was just saying but um I don't know like okay so what happened after the Jen Shah rest there was all the I mean, the Lisa, Lisa trying to like manufacture every storyline this season was really fun. Like um, all the clips that people find of her mouthing along to what she's like making her sons say, like feeding them lines. It's just, it's so fucking funny. And she's not smart enough to kind of make it seamless. Um it's just so good. It's so good. It is. And I, I'm I'm kind of glad for the break, but when it's back, I'll be very happy to have it back in my life. Yeah. Meredith, I think Meredith was a little, um, remember that first season that Bethany came back to New York and I think it was after the divorce maybe, or maybe someone had died or no, it was the divorce and, um, or trying to divorce Jason Hobby. But uh, she mm-hmm. said in the reunion of that season, like she said to Andy, I think I, I came back too soon. Like I was too um, raw for this season because she was showing up to things and then she would just start crying and be like, I can't, I can't, I'm leaving, I'm going. And it was really weird to be around her and and Heather Holler, Mama Thompson, I think thought that they were going <laughs> to be like entrepreneurial besties and then Bethany kind of couldn't stand <laughs> to be around her. Um, I think maybe Meredith Marks was a little – a little like that she was too tender for this season which was kind of a shame because or is it a shame I don't know Meredith had real first season glow um and so did Brooks because they're a package deal um but I'm starting to think that um maybe there's no there there yeah it's hard to know like I feel like because Meredith was grieving and went straight into filming like we didn't really even at the reunion she seemed to be like you know I just wasn't myself so I think in a way it'll be good to get another season with her where she seems a little bit maybe 
like she's in a slightly better place. Yeah. But yeah, it's hard to know. I think we projected a lot onto her during the first yes. season. And then it was a bit of a weird dynamic for the second. Yeah, and the stuff with Jenny, when that came out, that was <laughs> hot. I mean, what she said, what she posted on social media was horrifying, of course. But before that, Jenny was such a – felt like such a fun addition to Salt Lake City. Um, and, you know, Mary Cosby is – and true nightmare um like the the strangest person to i think ever be on television um what was that tour of her house and she where she had like her cousin who was doing the renovations and as she it was like the green room she had a room with green carpet that had to be changed because her dogs piss on it because they think it's grass like how many years have you lived in that house to not figure that out and change the carpet before now, Mary. And she talks to her clothes. Oh, Mary. I mean, we'll just touch on it briefly, but I know you mentioned to me that you're like two seasons into Atlanta, which is like, I mean, that's a different era for Housewives, but that's such an iconic show. I mean, what is it like watching early seasons of a show while there's new ones in the ether? Oh my God. I mean, it was kind of like that with Beverly Hills and New York. Like when I started, even just the quality of the the visuals are so grainy. It feels like they're filmed on VHS tapes. Um, and Atlanta is the same for me. It's kind of, um, because I, I consume so much housewives related content, um, that kind of watching the early seasons of a show like this is, uh, it, it's like, I don't know, a, a trivia clue being revealed or something because I've heard so much yes. about Kim Zolciak, but I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had no idea. You know, like when I saw her and she's talking about Big Papa and she's smoking Siggies and <laughs> like all of it was just so thrilling to be like, oh, this is what it's about. Okay. Okay. I get it. But I know there is, um, that's only, I'm, I'm only really truly finished season one and have just started season two. So I, I know there's just so much more. And I, I watched Real Housewives um, Ultimate Girls Trip season one and so I've kind of met a few of the Atlanta ladies and you know I've seen clips of Nini and all of that stuff but I'm really looking forward to like filling in the blanks and fleshing out the characters and and understanding the is that is is this where Don't Be Tardy came from like is that a spin-off of Atlanta it's a spin-off and you even I mean where you are you're once you get into season two and three, you get to see the recording of the okay. song and how that like how that ripples into the group. I mean, there's some hilarious stuff around Kim putting that song together, like truly okay. iconic stuff. Well, she's just, I mean, incredible. That do you follow Real Housewives Smoking on Instagram? I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, that and yeah. she's just she and Dorit are like the princesses of um Housewives Smoking Siggies. There's something about the way you say Siggies that makes them sound so much better. Like if, <laughs> if I were if I were lobbying on behalf of Big Tobacco, I'd be like, let's just start saying Siggies. Oh my God. I haven't had one in like three weeks. Um, I just got COVID and also I'm trying to cut back after realizing I've been smoking for almost half my life, um, which is not great when you're in your early 30s, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. And so I'm really trying. <laughs> I haven't had one in weeks, but I still, even if I'm not having them myself, I still love watching my girls with a. I could be really Australian and say dart, a dart, a dart. So like, as in D A R T. Yes, a, a dart. I've never heard that. Yeah, that's oh. a durry 
is uh, also very Australian. Anyway, it's becoming less and less glamorous <laughs> the more the more I talk about it. <laughs> it's good that you're telling me about Australian slang because I want to obviously get into the Down Under editions of the show, which is kind of how you got in. So. Yeah. I think we should just dip into Sydney and Auckland first, mm-hmm. only because they only had a season each mm-hmm. and there's probably not as much to discuss there. So, I mean, what did you make of Sydney and Auckland? And I know obviously you're in <laughs> Australia, not New Zealand. Yes. But I'm curious too, just when you watch Auckland, like I'm just curious how much uh, New Zealand, <laughs> how much TV from New Zealand people in Australia may, may even get to see or consume because I'm obviously Australia itself has so yeah. much telly. I don't, I don't watch very much New Zealand made content, you know, beyond like Jane Campion uh, joints. Um, <laughs> or uh, the Housewives of Auckland. Yes, yes. <laughs> the two pillars um, of uh, New Zealand cinema. <laughs> the Real Housewives of Auckland was a real fun treat because obviously they have their um, similar to like, maybe it's, maybe it's comparable to like a Potomac or a Salt Lake City because it's a smaller place and it's perhaps not known to people outside of those areas in the way that like, you know, you don't have to live in New York city to understand where the like bougie parts of New York city are. Um, so, yeah. so Auckland felt very insular, you know, they would all be like, I live on uh, such and such drive and, Oh, she's got a house on, on blah, blah, blah Boulevard. Um like it got so specific to the streets that they lived on, which I thought was just so fun. I mean, Auckland, it 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 went under because of a you know obviously a, a racism scandal. Yeah, um, they had a pretty bad racism incident on the show. Yeah, yeah, but that was also kind of fascinating to watch. They had several non-white cast members. They had that woman Anne who. Uh, was like 400 years old. <laughs> she <laughs> she was like their Lisa Rinna. She had huge Lisa Rinna energy. Yeah, visually. interesting. Okay, so and the champagne lady. She was the champagne lady and then this past Oh, I'm thinking of the actress that was on it. Sorry. Yes, Anne oh. who was like a significantly older. She's, yes. Yeah, not the champagne dame, but a champagne lady. Correct. Um the champagne royal family has different branches. Um <laughs> but Anne, remember Anne's tagline was like I bubble, I fuzz, and you think she's ab- about to say I get better with age because she's 100 years old. You have to reference it if you know, you like champagne, yeah, yeah, yeah. but instead she says, and I'm the life of the party. And she'd go out and, <laughs> and feed her pussies, you know, like she was amazing. Oh, yes. Actually, there's, <laughs> there is a previous guest in the podcast, uh, Dublin drag queen, Davina Devine, and she and I will still go pussy party. Cause she doesn't go, let's have a pussy party. Oh. We just, we still say that. Oh, I just remember she randomly, <laughs> there was yeah. that one, there was like one episode where she was having a, a, a party like a champagne party at home with her husband and the camera just kind of started filming them from outside the windows and they were just kind of sadly like doing the twist together in, the, in their <laughs> yeah. house it did feel like um it, Auckland was odd because it did I did feel a little bit bad for them because it, it didn't look like it had the biggest budget but the people on it were living quite lavishly so when you're watching mm. a show that looks like it's not filmed with the most glamour but the lifestyle is quite elevated it actually becomes weirdly depressing because you're like this could look so much more ritzy if they tried yes and we had i mean auckland casting was kind of incredible like there was the the former child actress who said the racial slur there was gilda who was 
I guess, kind of yes. like a Bethany or a Kyle um, who was like from Tehran. There was the uh, um, the the supermodel who was like British, the beautiful like yes. black supermodel. And then there was, what was her name? She thought she was going to be the Oprah of Auckland. Um, she was like seven feet tall. The stylist, the would-be stylist. She was such a weirdo. And she like self-published her book and it was just like photographs yes. of her in a bath. And then she had that little French assistant. Oh, man. It was, it was, I think I've got to do a, an Auckland rewatch now because that was truly one of the best Real Housewives seasons of all time. Speaking of, I guess, one season wonders, if you will, Sydney burned brightly oh. and kind of fizzled out as well. I mean, that just felt, felt like such an insane show to watch. Yeah, but that is Sydney. Like, it's wild how really? much that was a true representation of, like, rich, I was about to say rich cunts, but rich <laughs> you could say <laughs> like horrifying rich <laughs> women in sydney um yeah just the fact that they were like they were going to icebergs in bondi which is like such a cliche they were i mean they were also eating out and going to places where i wouldn't even know, you know i've never even heard of the places that's because i am not wealthy and live in sydney um mm-hmm they, I mean, the skinny bitch ordering the skinny bitch every place they went, um, and the the woman who was like a prepper, um, what was her name? Lisa Oldfield, Lisa Oldfield, yeah, who was yeah. like an apocalypse prepper, and her husband. I don't know if they ever went into this really on the show, but her husband David Oldfield is very high up in One Nation, which is like the kind of like a it's very right wing far right yes person, right? Like, yes very, it's like, like it's led by a woman who's kind of like our nigel farage yes yes yeah her name is um pauline hansen um yeah so i mean the casting they really got it right <laughs> it's interesting here you say that it actually felt very sydney because i was always curious as an irish person watching particularly the the Australian editions of the show, I remember thinking, I wonder what people in Australia make of this. Are they like, haha, that's what the nouveau riche weirdos there are like? Or are they like, how dare they ruin our good name internationally? Like I was so curious how it went down mm. in Australia, particularly Sydney, because it was a one season show. Well Sydney kind of was Sydney was kind of shocking. I, I heard through the grapevine that Bravo never what's the word when they take a show and air it somewhere else? Um syndicated it overseas because it was quote too nasty yeah and I think there is just a kind of a viciousness a like specifically Australian female viciousness that compared to even you know the American series are wild but um there's there's a darkness to Australia that's very like you know wake and fright or something I don't know the the isolation down here does something does something to us. No, I think oddly that's what like that's why when I get into an Australian edition of a show, I'm always fascinated by because weirdly, I mean, I'm sure you've noticed this anecdotally. A lot of Irish people move to Australia; they emigrate there or they go there for a summer to work, or whatever. Yeah. And as a country, we all grew up on home and away and neighbors. We have this weird affinity with Australia, but then there's certain cultural obviously there's cultural differences sometimes I'm like it just seems like they are a little bit more blunt in Australia like that's just my read and it's obviously through the lens of television so it's not like yeah 
it's not a forensic thing, but I'm like, there's definitely a coarseness that we would not always have. Yes. I think also where kind of culturally, I think, um, not dissimilar to the British, like we're quite non-confrontational as a society. And so I think a concept like the housewives that really relies on intergroup like tensions and fighting and all of that. Um, I think it is really hard to make it work here because to be the kind of person who can fight on camera, you have to be kind of a sociopath. Yeah. 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 Um, So they, they really do have to find the worst of the best of the worst, (laughs) I guess, to to put on these shows (laughs) in Australia. Yeah. We've built towards this. I think it's only fair to discuss (laughs) Housewives of Melbourne. Uh I mean, it's interesting that that was actually your introduction to Housewives in general and it has got such a cult following outside of Australia as well, even like this more recent season, which wasn't great. Yeah. What was it like for you when you watched Melbourne back in the day and was introduced and were introduced to the format? And then what who are the kind of people or the characters that you like on that show? The format I I think was the funniest thing for me because I had watched like Kardashians and and other reality TV shows. And so to be put in the very um the housewives world relies on you these women trying to impress you, but you also are supposed to kind of want to laugh at them. Um, and so that was really funny to see uh, set in places that were kind of familiar to me. Um, you know, it's been about 10 years since the first season, almost, I think it was 2013 or 14. Oh yeah, it has. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so. Uh, wow, wow. As Lydia would say. Wow. wow. And so <laughs> the women on there, you know, they would introduce themselves and they'd be like, everyone in Turak knows me. And I'm watching this going, <laughs> Turak is just like a place that has houses and shops. It's not like it doesn't carry the same weight as like Central Park West or, you know, uh, Beverly Hills. Yeah, and Beverly, they Hills. Beverly Hills. And they mean, they mean six different parts of California, but you just say Beverly Hills. And we go, yes, okay, yes, exactly. And so it was really funny to me that like, you know, places that were, there was a there was a season a couple a couple of seasons ago there was a scene where Jackie and someone else went to this building in the middle of Melbourne called Curtain House which is named after I think like an old prime minister and it's this beautiful old like gothic six story tall building um, and at the top is a rooftop bar which was kind of Melbourne's first ever rooftop bar there's a cinema there in summer there are restaurants and and Uh, shops and things all up and down the building they kind of describe it as a vertical laneway um and I spent like five years working for the people who ran rooftop cinema there and so I'm literally watching Real Housewives going that's that's where I what do my work in summer like I know I know this building like the back of my hand and I'm watching like Jackie Gillies go up there going oh my God, this is cool. Oh, what's this? <laughs> like, it, it was, and they can actually, hear. yeah. And they're taken into, I think it was for Gamble's wedding. Who got married a few years ago? Maybe it was Gamble. And they, yeah, was, they yeah. went into like an empty venue in the building where they did, um, I think like tryouts for male strippers or something was the premise. And I'm watching that going, oh, that's like, 
I've been on a panel on that stage. I've like de- I've DJed <laughs> in that room. Like I know the manager of this bar. Um, and so when it when it kind of comes close to my world, it gets um, it gets really exciting. <laughs> I've got to be honest. I can't walk up Collins Street, which is just like a, a one of the main streets in the Melbourne, like cent- the center of the city, Collins Street. I can't walk up there without thinking Petty Flow lives in one of the apartment buildings above me. <laughs> oh my God. And even it's funny you mentioned walking down the street because I loved um, this thing, particularly on Melbourne, the way they would shoot them, these kind of slow-mo close-ups of them walking down random streets in Melbourne. Yeah. I'm sure like perfectly normal, but they were shooting them like they were like walking into like palaces. I'm like, they're walking into some small yes. like tiny boutique that's beside like a bakery and like, yeah. a, a phone charger shop. <laughs> yeah. It was always so unglamorous. So unglamorous. <laughs> but for the, for the women of the South side in Melbourne, like Turak road is glamour. Um, yeah. Turak road is like <laughs> this, uh, just like between two like arterial roads where there are a few like Botox places. There are a few French restaurants, but, and there are a few bars, but otherwise it's just like a regular, like high street. Um, but along the street, they've got these kind of hedges and on top of them, they have little statues that convey like this is a fancy place. So one of them is like a wine glass, one is a high heel and one is like a little statue of a Birkin bag. And a few years ago, I started working for an advertising agency near there and I would have to walk down this street every day past these like statues of Birkin bags and I would just think of footage of chica walking past them in like early seasons of housewives of melbourne you were like this this is the place i call i've (laughs) made it (laughs) you're like those people who like those really basic bitches who like go to paris on like the cheapest ryanair flight and they like (laughs) leave at like (laughs) six in the morning and they take a photo and go paris is always a good idea you're like Okay, Stasi from Vanderpump Rules. <laughs> yeah, like relax, Lily Collins. We get it. Like, <laughs> like twenty four hours. Okay. <laughs> so it's interesting to hear you talk about Melbourne in terms of, I guess, seeing the, where you live or a place you know on screen. Like, who were the housewives of Melbourne that you maybe liked the most, or even just felt like, oh my god, I've met that woman. Yeah, you know, I've I've been around that per- kind of character. I think Jackie was the main one who fit that brief because I grew up in like a, a regional town um, and moved to Melbourne for like the big city kind of change of scenery when I was 18. And so Jackie mm-hmm. really brought a lot of that like bogan in the big city out of me. Um, I always, I always really enjoyed Chica. Like I know she's kind of, it's kind of, very obvious her trying to turn herself into like an Australian Martha Stewart or something. But I always really enjoyed Chica and husband um, who I have questions about. Um, Bruce. Bruce. Good old Bruce. I, mm, we all, we've all had questions about Bruce. Well, Connor, we've got questions. We've all, had, we've all, we've all thought things about Bruce. <laughs> I really liked, I mean, Gina is an iconic housewife. That kind yes, of woman truly. is... So her sister, Gina Liano, um, is now the most famous in the family, but for 
my entire life growing up, Bettina Liano was a household name. She kind of invented like fashion jeans in Australia. Like she was, she was very much a thing, Bettina Liano. And so to find out that her sister was not just going to be a real housewife, but was a lawyer and looked like that. It was kind of a mind blowing thing for me. Because like I said, I grew up in like a very small town. So I I don't know like the Melbourne society women, but as I, the longer I've lived here, I've been here almost 15 years. I, you know, I make friends with people who went to private school, who maybe knew the daughters or sons of housewives or, or their, yeah. you know, I got a DM from someone recently who is like a very um, prominent Australian journalist. We follow each other on Twitter who basically was like, you're the only person that I think will care about this. But I just started watching Real Housewives of Melbourne and realized that um, my ex-boyfriend's aunt is on it. And I was like, wait, who are you talking about? (gasps) And it's Gamble. (laughs) (gasps) And so when Gamble's sister, whose name is like um, Tempest, when oh, when yes, Tempest comes on, uh, that is the mother of a person I know's ex boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so like really, it's like that the six degrees of Melbourne yes. separation are pretty. Small. Yes, yeah. I went to I went to a wedding a couple months ago for a good friend, and I remembered that night. Like we were talking about when I first met the guy that who is now her husband. And it was, she introduced him to me by saying, oh, this is Simon. He's a cinematographer. He's just, he's just worked on Real Housewives of Melbourne. And I, <gasps> I was like, tell me everything. I would be like, sit down. And, I need you for yes. two hours. And it must have been yeah. after the first season because he said, okay, there are two new people joining the cast. One of them is called Petty Fleur. And I was like, <gasps> you've got it wrong. Like, that's not a, that's not a name. And he said, the, <laughs> "Little do we know." He said, "The other one is called Gamble," and I, <laughs> I mean, to get that juicy goss firsthand is just incredible. Oh my god! They see that's the magic of having a homegrown yeah. housewife city. We we touched on the return of Melbourne a little bit earlier, and how it was a bit of a dud in terms of like it just didn't have the spark of previous seasons. I'm just curious what you made of the of season five, and also I'm curious how it went down in Australia. Cause I got the sense from the people I know who watched it here that it wasn't the same, but I was curious yeah. if maybe people were thrilled to have it back and they watched it anyway. I think we were thrilled to have it back because it had been gone for quite a long time. It was like three, three, four years by the time it came yeah, back. Good three, four years. Um, yeah. And so it was fun to have it back, but like all the kind of shows that were filmed during COVID or in Melbourne's case between locked, like we were locked down for like, 260 something days all up between 2020 Mm -hmm. and 2021 and so the I think the flashes of time that they could film were very short and there were months in between even when we weren't in lockdown we still couldn't go to clubs or go to events or anything like that and so they really it was kind of like how you know how Vanderpump Rules last season instead of because none of them work at Sir anymore. Every episode, they just have to come up with like a concept yes. or a, or a lunch or something. A stage a party or something that like, oh, we're all going to this thing. And yes. I never felt like they were really going to go. It's to like, do you know what again. I think it's like? It's like Party Down. You know how every episode of Party Down, it was, they're a catering company. And so the premise was every yeah. single episode is a different event. That's what Vanderpump Rules feels like now. And that's kind of 
how Real Housewives of Melbourne felt because, like, for context, it was illegal to have people over at your house. We didn't even wow. we didn't even have the option to do like um, like bubbles or anything like that. So, I think the season was affected by COVID in a really extreme way that I think international installments weren't as affected by or affected as extremely. I think they just got the mix wrong. Like the dynamics of women on there weren't right. And they've kind of, they, they've kind of done a little bit of a New Yorky thing where instead of finding the women who were in the high society wealthy Turak, Hawthorne, Malvern, these are all suburbs, like mm-hmm. those places, they've instead just kind of found women who are, who own businesses and that's not what I sign up for when I watch Housewives. Yeah, I know what you mean. You want that kind of, if they're from a specific kind of part of Melbourne, it's going to feel more like there's more idiosyncrasies or yes. how many, I can't even say that word. Yeah. But like there's more, there's kind of unique things that they have or like a point of view that, you know, a random entrepreneur is, is not. Yeah. Have. You also believe that they have run into each other at galas or fundraisers or whatever yeah. over the years. Um, whereas these women were just kind of like plucked from, from nowhere and plonked in like, I'm sorry, a yoga instructor and a champagne <laughs> event host. That's not who I want to watch on my housewives. And don't even get me started about Angeli. <laughs> oh my god with her extreme newscaster voice like as someone who works in radio here like i have met people like that who they talk like this all the time even when they're just talking to you about ordering coffee you're like this is so bizarre like i don't need yes. to deliver the news to me and it's also like say you're british or don't talk like that sorry yeah <laughs> yeah pick a side um Okay, so that's the most recent season in Melbourne, which was missing, you know, names like Gina Liano and, of course, Lydia Schiavello, whose name I hope I did justice. But people who watch Melbourne will know that on, you know, it came up on the show and she still does it. Lydia does this thing where, called Lydia's Kitchen, where she invites, well, you know, you pay, I'm assuming, to go to visit her home. She cooks for you. It's like an immersive dining experience in Lydia's literal house that we've seen on Houses of Melbourne. And in what I can only assume is a blessing from the housewives gods <laughs> without even realizing when I scheduled this interview last night in Australia, in Melbourne, you yourself took part in Lydia's kitchen. I think this is something of a housewives and me exclusive in a way. I'm dying to know what that experience is like. Cause I love hearing about run-ins people have with celebrities and housewives, but certainly not when they're in their fucking kitchen. In the house. I, I was kind of silently laughing the entire time you said that because it still feels like a fever dream that I met Lydia last night. And I have to say (laughs) when we booked, when we booked in, it was weeks ago and I, I came out of my COVID isolation on Monday and I was in Lydia's kitchen on Wednesday. Um, I was so worried that I wouldn't be better by that time, but I thank God I was, um, it was truly like a fever dream. And when we booked, I think I was just like, I'm going for the experience. I'm going with two people I've never really hung out with before, but we have a DM based friendship where we talk about housewives. Um, I went with, uh, never know who is a friend of mine, but 
you know, a friend that you run into and you always have little jokes with and you follow each other on social media, but you you haven't done a thing together. Um, and yeah. her friend Daniel and the three of us went together and now I feel like we are bonded for life because of yeah. <laughs> because of the performance that we put on to just <laughs> nod and encourage Lydia to keep talking when I mean she didn't she didn't require much encouragement because she it it was it was really a you know when you meet a famous person and you have in the back of your head don't ask them about the thing that they're famous for like don't make it weird don't make them feel weird there was none of that with Lydia Lydia (laughs) Lydia wants you in her house if I think one of the first questions she asked when we sat down around her kitchen bench um was what was your favorite episode of the housewives (laughs) And you start talking about the dinner party from hell. And she's like, no, no, I meant Melbourne. She she only <laughs> she only means Melbourne. And like Nevada yeah. had just done a full rewatch. And so she it was all very fresh to her. The thing in that was in my head that I didn't say out loud was when Janet smashed her face open in was it Greece or Mexico? <laughs> Um, Mexico. And then, yeah, I'm not. It's not funny, but I'm yeah, laughing. That and then she was, in she was like led back to her room in the morning. And as soon as Jackie went in to check on her, she went, "I'm not right, Jax," <laughs> or like, "I'm a bit, I'm, a, I'm a bit not right." <laughs> I'm laughing because, like, it's not funny. It's not funny. It, that was so. It was so. That was like a proper, like horrible yeah. injury she sustained, and I just love how. Lydia's like, oh, any memories of the show? And you immediately went to the <laughs> that most was the horrifying. the thing I thought of. It was really interesting too because we – so we were a bit late because we were coming from the other side of town. Um, and yeah. we – I've mentioned it earlier, like the south side. The north and the south side in Melbourne is um, – it's kind of a psychological divide. It's also like a um, – a, a social divide that there's a cliche that like you vote differently, you believe different things, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so we're all coming from the North side to the South side and it took us ages because there was bad traffic. Anyway, we got there about 20 minutes late. We had texted ahead and told them, but when we walked in, Andrew, Lydia's husband was there. He was like sitting (sighs) in the, um, so you walk in and there's like the little sitting room where if you've watched her house tour, which is online or you've seen housewives, there's a room that has like a fireplace and bookshelves. And so that's where we were sat down and we were given a glass of champagne and Andrew, who's just got home from being an architect wanted to know what we do for work. And he wants to know if we're working hybrid, if we're still working remotely, because he thinks that people working from home aren't like pulling their weight and he wants everyone back in the office. Um, You're like, okay, well, I'm in a rich person's house right now, aren't I? Yeah, yeah. Yes. But Andrew was like, I think he's very handsome. And then Lydia appeared and there was just this really, I would just tell you this really incredible little moment where he, she was trying to kind of be the hostess of her event and like introduce us and, and give us the spiel as if we were not there because we knew the spiel already. (laughs) Yeah. Who she was. And Andrew kept kind of butting in and saying things like, Oh really darling. Oh, do you really do that? 
And you could tell that she was getting a little bit rattled. At one point she said, you can go upstairs now. And he was like, no, I want to stay and listen. And, <gasps> and she tried to keep going and then he got in her head and, and messed her up a little bit, her flow. And I was really feeling for her, but we were all silent. We were in their home. And then someone said something to the effect of like, you can't rush genius or, or she's the genius here or something. And Lydia just, she turned into Lydia from the show immediately. And she goes, she heard genius. And then she said, I was talking to Gina today, actually. She's got COVID. <laughs> I can see that. Oh. I can see, I can see the like, cogs turning in her it head. Was as she says amazing. That. Oh she like, Mr. Fig made an appearance. Figaro came down in his coat. <gasps> He's four, her dog, he's 14 years old. His little tongue hangs out the side of his mouth to see, to see Lydia taking a little roll of crocodile meat out of the fridge and chopping it up for Mr. Fig and then putting the bowl down in front of him and him turning away and walking away from it. I mean, it was incredible. Every time she talked about petty flow, she did the voice. Um, she, she wanted to talk about everyone on the show and, and I had that feeling of like, don't ask too many questions. Like, don't, don't be like too much of a fan or you'll scare her off from, from giving you the goss. But that was not, it wasn't possible. She was in, we booked in 6.30 to 8.30, the dinner goes for, we left at 10.30. Oh my God. And, and like, she's obviously cooking as well. Well, she'd cooked a lot of it before we got there. There was a bit of um, heating up in the microwave before serving. Okay. But she cooked, <laughs> our main was a salmon dish and she she has this kind of like teppanyaki grill built into her marble countertop that she like fired up and cooked on that as we all sat around and then served us all and then had some, you know, cannoli from a local bakery and made us little affogato for dessert. And she um, is, she was really having a good time because um, Daniel, who we were with is also Italian. And so she'd, she'd fire off a few little phrases and, um, and then kind of point at him and go, he knows, he knows. <laughs> you're like i saw how Gucci. i'm down yeah yeah it yeah, was yeah. no it's fine I it get was it. so amazing because she the the entree was this kind of like a, a chickpea soup which was genuinely so delicious um but the way she described making it was as if none of us had ever seen or heard about or eaten food before she was like you know chickpeas <laughs> you, you you soak them overnight from dry and the next day they're 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 plump and they're and they're big. They're bigger. <laughs> You're like, tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> we walked in, she didn't even she didn't ask our names. We just sat down and she was like, so lovely to meet you all. And we were like, same. And then she called me Brie for <laughs> half the night. But then I got <laughs> but then I got five posts on her Instagram story today and she follows me on Instagram now. So um <gasps> It, it it ended up being amazing. Like I went to take like a sneaky selfie of me with Nevena before we left and Lydia went, oh, me too, and jumped in the middle of it. I asked, she was talking to us about her artwork. She's got a massive Bill Henson in the front of her house. And I said, oh, is that a Charles Blackman? And she said, yes, don't touch it. As if I'm going to touch her artwork. <laughs> don't, 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 don't touch it. <laughs> These are like the biggest names in Australian 
contemporary art. Like she has the the wow. the big money players, you know. It just oh yeah. So we walked in, we sat down. She didn't introduce herself to us, but she immediately said, "We get the the most wonderful, amazing people through here, don't we? We don't get meth heads. We do, no meth heads are coming in." And when when we left, we all were kind of processing everything that happened, and you know, our group chat today has been going off as we're all trying to piece together the night because. You know, there was a lot of wine being served, which was incredible wine. And and we were all like, we paid $350 each to go here. Like, wow. what meth heads? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Lydia, they're spending their money Coming on together. meth. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're, you're like, we've got to hustle together at 350 each so we can do meth at Lydia's kitchen. <laughs> I mean, look, there was there was just wow. this incredible before we I think it was before we booked when we were just planning on booking and I said something to the effect of um like I can't wait to be fat shamed by Lydia, which <laughs> it was half a joke but half like I I was prepared. Prepping I was prepared yourself. for it. Yeah. Yeah. And look, it kind of happened and I was thrilled. I was thrilled. <laughs> I was thrilled about it. <laughs> And like, in what way was it like a clumsy Lydiaism? No, so there was a mo- there was a moment last year where we couldn't. So the grand final, which is a big football um, event in Melbourne every year, we get a public holiday for it. It couldn't happen the last two years in Melbourne because of our lockdowns. And last year, Lydia came under fire because she posted this photo of her next to Chica, and then. Oh, I remember Petty this. Fleur yeah. and Janet, this old photo. And when she posted it, um, whoever edited it made it so that Petty Fleur and Lydia's tummies were smaller and by effect Chica's was bigger, like wider. Yeah, it was like a trolley fan edit where they'd like dramatically yeah. edited and so- Chica. And- <laughs> Yeah, and she had no idea how bad it was. Yes, and so Lydia posted that on her Instagram story and was like, so sad we can't do this anymore, hashtag grand final. And she obviously had been announced as not being on the show anymore. Maybe the show had already started airing. So everyone took this as her taking a stab at Chica, who apparently she hadn't spoken to in like four years. Um, Wow. Fat shaming Chica, all of this. So last night she – she was unprompted talking about things that we saw on the show. She kept whipping up the the catchphrases from the show as well. Like she said, oh, go suck on your own head and then would kind of like wait for us to laugh. It was amazing. Um, oh, my god! Like she, she posted a photo of me on her Instagram story today and said like having fun on the 71th floor with at Brodie Lancaster. <laughs> I was like, what is happening in my life? <laughs> So then she's talking about the photo scandal unprompted. None of us asked. She was talking about, you know, I would never fat shame anyone because that's been done to me and I know how it feels. And we were like, of course, of course. Oh my God, Lydia, of course. And then, and then she started talking about a moment later, she started talking about someone who I won't say and described them as, as fat and, it was obviously not being complimentary and I just the irony of those two I held in my laughter most of the night just at the like ridiculousness of where I found myself and I lifted up my napkin and was just like laughing into my napkin 
<laughs> and then she just without taking a breath just pointed at me and went, oh, no, but you're at least glam. <laughs> I can hear her. Like I can see this so clearly. Oh. And like her saying that almost instantly. But no, 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 not you. You're glamorous. Yeah. You know, I would never fat shame anyone. This fat person, not you. <laughs> it was amazing. And like, I need, I needed to be clear that like I identify as a fat person. I have been yeah, called yeah. it in negative ways. I've reclaimed the word myself. I take no offense at it anymore. I know that she meant it to be offensive when she was talking about someone else. Um, I don't believe that Lydia is a part of the fat acceptance community, but I was not, not I was yet, not offended. No. I was fucking thrilled. I was having the time of my life. <laughs> it's, I mean, at that point, you're so far down the rabbit hole. She'll just say anything and you're going to laugh. Oh my God. You. We were agreeing with everything That's she funny. said, including stuff that we were like morally opposed to. <laughs> She's like, I think you should just kill everyone who's not rich. Yeah. Agreed, yeah, Lydia. Yeah. Oh my God. You are so true. So true. So true, so true Lydia. <laughs> there was one point where she, she said something about, you know, we left at 10.30, like I said. And um, she said, like, oh, if this – we should – on any other night, I'd pull out the cards and we'd stay here all night. Um, she said, if this was a Thursday or Friday night, and then, like, she seemed genuinely like, I kind of want to keep hanging out with you guys, which was really delightful. And um, yeah. and I said, oh, I'll be back tomorrow then. And she was like, oh, my God, that would be fun. <laughs> so she genuinely is like come back like we have to go and get a because I I mentioned um I feel like I've just been shouting out rooftop bar in Melbourne this whole time but um hey hey they redid their menu maybe like six years ago and the manager there is also a big housewives fan and he also has an Italian greyhound and so he named a cocktail the Mr. Fig and um which is after Lydia's dog and I told her this last night and she just lost her mind she said last night we've got to go to the we've got to go there we've got to go together and get the cocktail and I was like oh my god of course and then today post event has followed up like we have to go and get the Mr. Fig cocktail I think it should happen and I think it's a bit it's a bit like when people talk about dating and like they always say oh you need to follow up with the second date almost straight away I think you might need to really make this happen sooner rather yes before she forgets and starts calling me Brie again (laughs) I could just see her being like I've met this girl she's a bit bigger but she's glam like I can just see her saying that kind of horrible absolutely I'm her cool I'm her cool bigger friend (laughs) she's from the north side Oh my god! Did she mention going back to the show at all? Because there have been rumors about OG cast members. Going she, uh, she's she says she's done. Um, or she said to us that she's done, but she also said that Foxtel were very keen for her specifically to come back last season. She talked about people taking many flights to come and personally convince her. Um, wow. But look, you know, we'll see. She's, I mean, she's made for it. Yeah. And she's definitely still like reliving the glory day. So it doesn't feel like it wouldn't happen either. Yeah. And she's filling her life with, um, you know, she might be moved on and doing other things, but the people who are coming to her 
um, dinner events at least, are very much coming for Lydia from Real Housewives of Melbourne. Yeah, and I, I don't blame them. It sounds iconic. Oh my God, thank you. That was everything. I was like, I couldn't believe you went and I got to pick your brain. Oh God, I feel so lucky. I know. And like, um, my, you mentioned in the intro, like I have my podcast see also with my friend Kate Jinks, who is also a very big Housewives fan. Yes. And she, in her, the other part of her career is like a very established, respected film programmer. She's currently at Cannes Film yes. Festival and I'm sending her voicemails about Lydia fat shaming me. And so you are getting, you are getting the scoop and then we'll also be talking about it. I imagine as soon as Kate is back in my time zone um, on on our podcast we have we've kind of gone a bit longer than i planned but i'm very much enjoying but i do before we wrap i have to ask and i feel like you've just spent time with a real housewife so maybe you've got some inspo what was your housewife's tagline be i thought about it a lot i i was playing with the idea of doing something around being a writer and then being able to read people um but then ultimately i thought about um lisa vanderpump and what was hers it was like life isn't diamonds and rosé but it should be and I thought I need something like that but but Australian it needs to be Australian specific so I thought I would take like some some inspiration from Crocodile Dundee and Lisa Vanderpump and the result (laughs) is that's not a life this is a wife (laughs) <laughs> oh that's good oh I love that and I love that it's harking back to an iconic Australian reference and it's, oh that's very good wow and I also like that you were like I could just do write and read like people love those words but no I yeah. will take it a little bit further I was, pl- I was playing with um with the writer girl remember the writer girl season of New York <laughs> yes oh my god I um, we've kind of touched on this because you, you just had a dinner party with an actual housewife but very quickly if you could do a dinner party with five people from Housewives World. What five people? Oh my God. Well, Andy Cohen. um, Okay. Because I have so many questions. Oh my God. Giselle from Potomac. Okay. Uh, Sonia and Dorinda. Sonia, Dorinda, Giselle, Andy. And I'm going to say Garcelle. Do I want Garcelle? I feel like Garcelle will really imagine Garcelle and Sonia I feel like they might really connect. I don't know. That was a that was a rogue smattering from around the around the country. I love that. Okay, and you've also just literally had you've also done the same thing with Lydia. So you've got. I mean, I was her. I was one of her four guests. So (laughs) so iconic. Oh my god! Before I let you go, where can people find you online? And of course, your podcast. Yes. So I am on Twitter and Instagram at Brody Lancaster. And our podcast is called See Also. It's like a weekly pop culture check-in, but we cover, you know, high and low. Kate is mainly the high. I am very much the low. (laughs) But, you know, we read books and we go to the movies. It's not all reality TV. Um, And so that podcast is called See Also. And we're on Instagram at See Also Podcast. Perfect. And yeah, it's such a cool mix of recommendations because it's like, you kind of you take in contemporary stuff but oftentimes like oh actually I just stumbled upon this so it's it doesn't feel like you have to watch every brand new thing like you're always digging up stuff that's like just something you've stumbled upon which I think is nice because so much recommendation stuff now is this is out in cinemas now you have to go and it's a bit yeah or like recapping and you know we have done this but like recapping a Netflix series 
right as it drops and then never speaking about it again. You know, it's not, it's, it's a little bit timely, but it's also, we look back on stuff that we've always wanted to talk about. And that's, I guess, where the title comes from. The idea of like, see also this movie that we grew up with as kids or this book or this YouTube wormhole. Exactly. That's the huge part of the appeal. So Brody, this has been so much fun. We have gone far longer than I ever go on Housewives and Me interviews, but I'm so glad because this Lydia T has like <laughs> enriched my life in ways I didn't know possible. Thank you very much for coming on Housewives Thank and Me. Thank you so much. It was so fun. That's Brody Lancaster here on Housewives and Me. I'll put links to Brody's social in the show notes of this episode. And of course, you can check out her podcast, See Also, wherever you get your podcasts. Links to listen to that in the show notes of this episode as well. Her book, by the way, is called No Way. Okay, fine. And I actually stumbled upon it on the Kindle store. So if you wanted to check that out, I'll pop a link to that in the show notes of this episode as well. As always, you can find me on social media. It's Connor Bean on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find this podcast Housewives of Me is the handle for us on Twitter and Instagram as well. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, I'd really appreciate a rating or a review. And also, you may know, you can also write podcasts on Spotify now. So if that's where you listen, I'd really appreciate a rating. Of course, new episodes come your way every single Tuesday. So subscribe to make sure you never miss a single one. So until next time, thank you very much for listening. Stay safe and I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>